Poinonia, Christian fellowship, communion with God and with fellow Christians. Koinonia, an association of people who share common beliefs and activities. This is Koinonia. This is Community. And now, your host, Tom Brown. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Excited about our conversation this hour. Center for Arizona Policy uh, President Kathy Herod is joining me in studio as uh, she is going to be doing on a uh, monthly basis, or at least Cap's going to be here on a monthly basis. Uh, last month, uh, I was introduced to a delightful uh, employee that kind of worked herself up and, and as we revealed when she was in here. This wasn't what she was looking to do, but she feels like this is the thing she was called to do. Yes, Kim Leeds is our legislative coordinator, doing an incredible job monitoring all things legislat- legislative, working on our voter outreach, doing a, an amazing job as a key part of our team. And as you are so uh, able to do, identifying uh, key people with key skills, you said she'll be fine. She comes in. She's never done this ever before. And wow, she was fantastic. Well, I knew that you would be also very nice to her and that you would, <laughs> <laughs> that it would work. Um, that it would not be, you know... No gotcha gra- here. Yeah, right. exactly. No no gotcha journalism here. Not like Senator to uh, one of our favorite newspapers around uh, around the Valley. <laughs> right. Uh, Kathy, there is so much to talk about. So many exciting things that have happened. Some disturbing things that have happened in our country. But first, uh, in this little brief open here, you've got an event coming up. And uh, we are going to be uh, supporting it and promoting it every way possible. But tell us about Britt Hume coming to the Valley. Yes, on Thursday, May 5th, we'll have Britt Hume as the keynote speaker at our Center for Arizona Policy Family Dinner, 7 o'clock that evening at Arizona Biltmore. We will, it's also the National Day of Prayer, so we will, we will be observing the National Day of Prayer as well. Um, but, you know, when you see what's going on politically, we're all concerned about this election year. Um, Britt Hume is a a Christian who's not afraid to speak his views. He's been bold in many ways, but his commentary, his political analysis, I believe is some of the best in the country. And uh, land that I love. You know, know I'm a patriot. You know I do love this country, and I, I pray for our country continuously. I love that title. Why did you guys pick that? Well, I'm concerned that that there's a sense of despair, um, that there's a sense of discouragement with what's going on politically. And so we want to rekindle, kind of re-inspire that sense of patriotism, Mm. that regardless, you know, we know first that God is sovereign over the affairs of men. I'm not going to mix, you know, God and politics. I don't mean that. But this is, God has placed us in this land. We're to respect government. We're to, to do our part. But this is a land that we we still have freedom in this country. Mm-hmm. That we are, you know, that I think we've lost a sense of patriotism in many ways. So rather than be, um, you know, I guess, you know, doom and gloom about mm-hmm. what's going on, let's kind of rekindle women. This is the land that I love. This is where God has put me. So let's still work for the common good as much as we possibly can. I love that, uh, uh, what you just said. This is where God has put me. Regardless of whatever else I think, that is uh, that is a truth. And the Bible tells us to pray for our leaders regardless. Uh, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Well, so what does that mean? Well, uh, you, you know, the government is what it is. We are called to do by faith what we're called to do, what we're given our talents to do, what we're skilled at doing. 
God created us with a plan and a purpose. Well, and it goes back to my favorite proverb that the horse is made ready for the day of battle, mm. but victory belongs to the Lord. Amen. Let's do our part. We don't know what God's doing. We've got lots and lots to talk about today. You can go to azpolicy.org, uh, click on Land That I Love, and uh, individual tickets are now on sale. Yes, they certainly so, are. So uh, that just opened up in the last day or so. So you can get your individual tickets and then join us. We have, uh, as I've said numerous times, lots to talk about today. Center for Arizona Policy's President Kathy Herod is in studio with me. You're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. You can follow me on Facebook, Tom Brown AZ, also on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also follow uh, Center for Arizona Policy uh, online, azpolicy.org. But what are what are all the Twitter accounts? And- on, on Facebook, it's Center for Arizona Policy. Um, be sure to um, like us on Facebook. And then on Twitter, it's azpolicy.org. reason I bring that up because that sometimes that's how I get my news about what's happening at the legislature as quickly as possible. Because uh, either you or Josh or somebody is able to tweet out good news when it happens, and it happened in in, uh, great acclaim this week. It did. Um, Last week was a good week. Um, Governor Ducey signed three pro-life bills into law, Um, so we were very grateful for that. And, uh, you know, for everyone to really pause and realize what it's like to have a governor who, when he signs bills, basically issues a statement that says, I will always stand with those who advance life Hmm. Um, and that the right to life is fundamental, that those are two of the things that Governor Ducey said last week. So we're very grateful that Governor Ducey is very pro-life and doesn't hesitate to stand very strong on the pro-life issue. You know, and and that is something that's pretty exciting from the standpoint that you can have uh, politicians that are very, very good at speaking politically, and that's not a politically safe statement, at least in the environment that we're in. Uh, in our country right now. Uh, and it's it's way above uh, what we've heard from others in the country. Now, in one of the bills that Governor Ducey signed is one of the first in the nation. Um, we all watched with horror as we saw the Planned Parenthood video expose last summer, where it was clear that Planned Parenthood in other states they were trafficking and aborted baby body parts. They were talking. They were caught on film talking about how much for a liver, how much for an intact brain. Um, just amazing discussion about that really um, showed no respect for the humanity of the preborn child. So in Arizona now, by Governor Ducey's signature, by Senator Nancy Bartow, a whole host of, of legislators um, said that in Arizona – we will not allow the trafficking of aborted baby body parts. Mm-hmm. So that that is very significant. Um, in California, it clearly was happening in, in other states. So we're grateful that, that Governor Ducey did not hesitate. And, of course, since it's not happening as to the uh, provorci- uh, abortion providers here in the state, that's not happening. They had no problems or no opposition to this <laughs> bill, right? Well, let me say they were muted in their opposition. Certainly pro-choice legislators were very vo- you know, opposed it. But... 
you know, when Planned Parenthood says they're not doing it in Arizona, okay, maybe, you know, we, I guess we can maybe, I don't know, take Planned Parenthood at their word. I won't venture a statement on that really. But there are other abortion clinics. There, There's another abortion clinic in the Phoenix area that does do later-term abortions, that does abortions up to 23 weeks. So we don't know what their practices are. Um, and so that's the key is to just ensure that this isn't happening on our watch in our state. And that's great news. Kathy Herod from Center for Arizona Policy is my guest this hour. Another bill that I'm sure got no uh, uh, pushback from the opposition because all it was was just clarifying federal law uh, and, and policy and procedure. Uh, but again, that was signed into uh, legislation or into law this last week as well. Right, and probably the most controversial is what you're referring to as the FDA abortion medication protocol. And in 2012, Arizona legislators said, hey, abortion industry, you need to follow what the Food and Drug Administration said on how you dispense abortion medication. For 16 years now, the abortion industry has dispensed the abortion pills through the first nine weeks of pregnancy rather than through the first seven weeks. So when the FDA approved this medication for abortion, to chemical abortion, they basically had a very strict protocol. They did a lot of investigation, a lot of study, testimony, input. Um, and then the abortion industry has ignored it, and so has the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, et cetera, et cetera. But they'd never changed their protocol. So we ended up, of course, in court because Planned Parenthood wants to, you know, they basically can make more money. They can sell more abortions if they do the abortion medication um, routine through the first nine weeks of pregnancy. So we were fighting to have upheld in court to hold them to that protocol. We had to fix a technical issue based on a court decision. That's what was on Governor Ducey's desk. Um, It was Senate Bill 1324. And so it's sitting on Governor Ducey's desk, and on I believe it was Wednesday morning, the Food and Drug Administration, after these 16 years, updates their protocol without any advance warning, any public input, no hearings, nothing. So it basically meant that the state was going to say, you have to do the protocol in place as of December 2015, but now the FDA is saying it's okay to do it through not only nine weeks of pregnancy, but 10 weeks of pregnancy. So there's a conflict in it. So Governor Ducey went ahead and signed the bill, but we're going to have to, we still have to figure out kind of how to respond to it. So I will just say at this point, given where we're at with the courts, where we are with the Food and Drug Administration, we are not, um, we're not certain of the path forward on how the state can regulate abortion medication. We continue to believe that abortion medication is dangerous. Certainly it takes the life of a preborn yes. child, but it's also dangerous to the woman's health. And when they say through 10 weeks of pregnancy, well, we know that each week that, that goes on that the woman takes the abortion pills increases the risk to the woman's health. So there's no question that if you take the abortion pill at 10, 10 weeks, the risk to the woman's health is greater than if she takes it at five or six weeks. Of course, we're not saying it's okay to take it at any time. Right. But, but so there, there are a number of health concerns, uh, legal concerns on what the FDA did. So we're still in consultation with legislators and, and medical people and attorneys on what needs to happen next in Arizona. Was, there was no further study from the FDA in, in changing their policy, was there? No, that's what was I found very um, frustrating because we certainly had, like we submitted testimony in the Arizona legislature from a Dr. Donna Harrison, an expert in this field, basically documenting the risk to women's health from taking the abortion medication at later stages of pregnancy. And of course, if, if the abortion medication does not complete the abortion, the woman has to go in for a surgical abortion. But let me, let's not overlook, though, the woman can take the first pill 
And the abor- after taking the first pill, the abortion still, it may be reversible, but time is of the essence. Mm-hmm. So if anyone listening hears about this, know that if you know someone who took the first abortion pill, then she starts to question her decision. She needs to go to abortionpillreversal.com and get to a doctor quickly to start on a regimen that may be able to reverse that abortion. And the reason the FDA made their uh, 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 protocols to begin with, obviously the uh, the life of the, the unborn baby is not of concern to them. That's not the reason they put limits on it. It was the health of the mother. And now they've just decided, oh, well, everything we studied, everything we learned – really wasn't true, uh, we're just going to change it. That's not what happened. What happened is this bill coming through here in Arizona. Well, it was a very political move by the FDA. And let me emphasize that why the abortion industry wants to be able to do medical abortions versus surgical abortions is because medical abortions are cheaper. Mm -hmm. They can do a markup on the abortion pills that they are dispensing to a woman. And so they, they, they can make where where they don't have, I mean, there's just an issue with how, with they want to peddle abortion, medical abortions, and they think they can have greater success at selling abortions that way. Well, and another thing too, is uh, the, the protocols weren't, it's not just the, the, when they were given, but how they were distributed uh, and given because they were supposed to be supervised uh, when they're distributed, and that that sometimes they would give them the second one and just send oh, them on their way. Oh, absolutely. The original protocol was the woman goes in, she gets the first abortion pill, she goes back two days later to get the second abortion pill, then she go, goes back two or three weeks later to ensure that the abortion has happened. So what they're saying now is you get the first pill at the abortion clinic, you get sent home with the second pill, and maybe you come back in two weeks to make sure it happened. Wow. So, and the the other thing is the abortion pill. They will say it's safe. It's easier than a surgical abortion, but there can be intense bleeding and mm-hmm. cramping. It's like having a mis. It's not unlike. I will say it this way. It's not unlike having a miscarriage. But you know, the woman is sent home to deal with this, and you know, the woman's already in a vulnerable position. And so, I just you know, I just feel for for women basically once again being sold something by the abortion industry that will cause a lot of women a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. I, I'm heartbroken over uh, over this uh, because it, the, I'm, I'm tired of being called a person that doesn't care for women uh, because I of my uh, pro-life position, yet they demonstrate over and over and over again that it's not about the health or welfare or well-being of the woman in what they're doing. Well, that's right. And I, if, if listeners have not read Abby Johnson's unplanned mm-hmm. book, Abby shares the story of her medical abortion in that book. And it was not a walk in the park. I will put it that way. So I w- you know, if you have any doubts about what's going on with medical abortion or what's going on inside of Planned Parenthood, um, read from read Abby Johnson's unplanned book. Here's a woman who was working in the abortion industry and tells the truth about what was going on. Uh, we haven't talked about the third bill that was on the governor's desk. Sure. The, the third bill was um, there, the state employees can contribute to a charity of their choice through a state charitable campaign. It can be a deduction from their paycheck. You know, they can they can contribute. So Governor Ducey's team, there's a committee to work on this, discovered that Planned Parenthood was a qualifying charity so that if you were a state employee, you could designate your a portion of your paycheck to go to Planned Parenthood. Um, so what so what the Senate Bill 1485 basically put into statute that abortion providers providing um, 
you know, fed, federally qualified abortion. I won't get into the details, but basically an abortion provider would not qualify to be one of the charities and the state charitable employee campaign. This was not state direct dollars to Planned Parenthood, but it was the state facilitating mm-hmm. donations to Planned Parenthood. And our, our you know, our, our, you know, challenge or our, our position would be that even the facility, you know, the state has a policy that favors life over abortion. Mm-hmm. The courts have allowed the states to take that position that we're going to favor life, not abortion. So to implement that policy means that the state is not facilitating donations of any kind to the abortion industry. Doesn't mean a state employee can't go on their own time, give money to a, an abortion provider, but it's not going to be the state facilitating that donation. And I wanted to make that was the 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 uh, return I was going to have. I'd actually heard people say, "Well, the, they can't keep me from giving to Planned Parenthood." You're right. That's not what the purpose of this bill is. Just not going to use state resources to facilitate that donation. That's right. And you know, some people say, "Well, it's not going to stop them from giving money to Planned Parenthood." You know, these bills, the more we expose the truth about abortion, the more it leads more women to choose life, not abortion. Mm -hmm. But we're still in a position in this country where we cannot pass laws that will stop one abortion from happening. We can do things to provide for women's health, to provide more informed consent, more alternatives, but we're still in a difficult situation within the courts. AZPolicy.org. That's AZPolicy.org. Kathy Herod is my guest, and you're listening Dequinonia, this is Faith Talk 1360, KPXQ. azpolicy.org, Center for Arizona Policy. And don't forget, they have Brit Hume coming in May. That'll be on you before you know it. National Day of Prayer is the easy way to uh, uh, to remember what day it is. And uh, you need to be there. Uh, individual tickets are now on sale. You can still sponsor whole team. It's not like the uh, group sponsorships have gone away. It's just now it's also open to individual seating opportunities. And it uh, usually goes pretty quick. Uh, once that uh, floodgate has been opened. So uh, uh, make sure, get online. If you're not uh, already, sign up for 5 Minutes for Families. comes out every Friday. Ways to get involved, uh, information. There's just a ton that Center for Arizona Policy uh, does for our community. Many, many times. Kathy, I, I can't even tell you how far back it goes. I think it actually goes back to when Lynn was still uh, as as president, we talked about how important every elected office is, because you had seen it on the other end. You you had seen what happens when we kind of abdicate uh, political stuff because oh that uh, I don't want to sully myself by getting involved with that. There's no such thing as an unimportant elected office. A dog catcher to, to you know nothing wrong with dog catcher, but if it if they're if they're an elected official, you need to be informed and you need to be voting your values, not just skipping over. Uh, case in point, North Carolina. We talked about it a little last week, but 
Kathy, I'd like for you to spend a few moments to kind of tie this up with the end game being this is why we are so adamant about being informed voters and casting our faith ballot. Sure. Well, you had the Charlotte, North Carolina City Council and mayor, not unlike what happened in Houston, Texas, not not unlike what's happened in our own Phoenix, Arizona, yeah. where you have the city council pass a measure that is alleged to prohibit discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation or gender identity. Now, the result of that ordinance is it means that if a man wants to identify as a woman, that man may go into a women's restroom. So um, so what happened, you know, the citizens of North Carolina were outraged that Charlotte did that, that the city council did that. So the North Carolina legislature, um, with the leadership of Governor McCrory, passed a common sense privacy law in North Carolina that basically said the city cannot do those kind of laws when the state has not done those laws. That's the easiest way to describe it. So then what has happened? So they did a special session. Governor McCrory signed the bill into law. And now the firestorm has erupted with the um, NCAA threatening to pull the final four or whatever. I may be wrong on the tournament, but all the, the yeah, I think it's something like 60 or 80 corporations signed a letter engineered by the Human Rights Campaign, which is a very pro-same-sex marriage, pro-these um, bathroom bills, that type of thing, um, letter um, outraged about North Carolina. PayPal just supposedly pulled out of North Carolina. Um, they wouldn't have their operations in North Carolina. Just absurd reaction to what is a common-sense privacy law. But it all started, back to your point, it all started when the people of Charlotte elected a city council that would vote in favor of these laws. It's the same thing Phoenix did this type of law two years ago or three years ago now. I can't, it may have been longer than that. But Phoenix has had this, this ordinance. It is a blur. Um, so who you vote for for your city offices, um, we need people to run for city councils and school boards because many of these types of battles are being fought at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that, and so so that's that's the concern. So now there's this you know attack going on Governor McCrory. If you go on Facebook, if you go on social media, I've posted some things on my my Facebook page. Our five minutes for families that you mentioned, encouraging people to sign up for it. We'll be talking about North Carolina on Friday. Um, if you follow Alliance Defending Freedom on social media. This is a time, you know, I, I need to tweet out, hey, let's all go to North Carolina for vacation. Yeah, you know, if you're looking, point. You know, if you're looking for a beach vacation, go to North Carolina. You know, let's support these governors. You know, the governor of North Carolina, the governor of Mississippi, the Mississippi law was somewhat different. It's a more of a straight off that the government cannot discriminate against um, churches businesses, people, because of their views about marriage. But we see Mississippi and North Carolina, their governors being willing to stand up, defend our values, not hesitate to sign good legislation, and and then they get attacked by a small minority LGBT community, and we need to be willing to stand up and defend them. You know what irritates me? You know what really makes me angry? How many of these uh, companies that are showboating with this sell their products in Dubai? Well, oh, they, and they've made well. The best example of that was, I believe, it wasn't it the New York governor who said that he would not allow state employees to travel to North Carolina, but they can go to Cuba. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's stunning in how do you realize that in Saudi Arabia they, you know, they'll cut your head off, you know, in the public square. Now, obviously, it's it's not quite that dramatic, but that's the, that's the laws. You, know, you certainly can get lashed. You can certainly get uh, public beatings uh, for that. Where's the outrage there? Well, and you know, and to you know, to get also to focus on 
why are we concerned about these laws? Certainly, there's the common sense privacy issue. Mm-hmm. We want our daughters protected when they go into a public restroom, public locker room. But this is also what's hitting up against religious freedom. And we are up against a community of people who want to basically within the next couple of years ensure that religious religious freedom doesn't mean what it's supposed to mean. So it, it really goes to whether we're going to be free in this country mm-hmm. to live and work according to our beliefs or whether the government's going to compel people to choose between their livelihood and their faith. And we say that over and over again, but that's part of, you know, so we have a North Carolina governor who's defending against it. We have a Mississippi governor that's defending against it. Um, Alan Sears over at Alliance Defending Freedom, he had a fiction book, I don't know, what was it, eight years ago? I read the book and I'm like, wow, that's kind of scary. Uh, and why it's really scary is because I actually see some of the headlines fictionalized in that book in my own headlines. And that was eight years ago. Now it, there's actual cases on the books that were quote unquote fictionalized possibilities in that book talking about how the slow erosion of our freedom of religion, uh, you know, how precarious it really is in this country. And now when you you really think the uh, gay and lesbian community, what's three – if I'm being incredibly generous if I say 5%, right? Well, yes. Well, here's another example. The state of Maryland just passed a voucher law. It's a, I think it's only a $5 million program, so it's a small program to allow students to get a voucher to go to a private school. Within that voucher law, it says that the private school, so a private Christian, private Catholic school – cannot discriminate on the basis of sexual orientation. Now, they can follow their religious beliefs as long as they're not discriminating on the basis of sexual orientation. So that means the science teacher, the principal, you know, any employee, any in admissions, any student, it basically means that the private Christian school would not be allowed, if they participate in that voucher program, to follow their beliefs about marriage or human sexuality outside of marriage. So that's, you know, so, so we get excited and think, oh, great, a liberal state like Maryland passed a voucher law, well, but I don't know Except, of a, I don't know of a private faith-based school that would participate in that voucher program yeah. because of the state basically forbidding them, preventing them from following their beliefs about sexuality outside of marriage between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Are you saying let's let's uh, back up and talk more just philosophically here? Uh, Kathy Herod from Center for Arizona Policy is my guest, but uh, just you and me talking. Are you seeing people, Christians, people of faith? starting to realize that we really are in a battle or is there are there still slumbering christians if you will oh um i would say there's still i'll put it this way there's still too many committed bible believers who are um who are choosing to not really understand or key in on what's happening in our culture and there's still too much of a live and let live type of um, culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think there's an un- awareness of how much it's crept within the church. And and also I think there's just, just a lack of understanding. You know, the example that I always give, when the florist declines to do flowers for a same-sex wedding, but the florist has done flowers for that same sex for that gay man for 10 years. Yeah. She's not discriminating. It's not discrimination. It's not. It's she cannot participate in an event that she believes violates her faith. So it doesn't matter whether you committed Bible believer would do the flowers for a same sex wedding 
or you would bake the cake for a same-sex wedding. But if if you're if you believe, you know, the freedom to believe is what's at stake in this country. Mm-hmm. And so I, you know, I think there's I think there's certainly some awareness. But what needs to happen is with that when you become aware of what's going on in the country and you you understand what's going on in the battle that's there rather than throw up our hands in despair or get discouraged or feel like we can't do anything about it that's when we need to first of all pray mm-hmm. we need to engage with the organizations like alliance defending freedom I mean, look at what's happened to the pro-life movement what if 40 years ago or 30 years ago or even 20 years ago the pro-life movement said okay abortion's legal we can't do anything about it we're done yeah, and that's not what happened. Yeah. And so we've seen, we get it that abortion hurts women. We get it that abortion takes the life of a preborn child. So people of faith and no faith are now working to stop abortion in this country through whatever, you know, through a number of different mm-hmm. things, supporting our pregnancy centers, trying to reach, you know, you can make abortion unthinkable as well as have an incremental approach that we favor toward um, restricting abortion or giving women really informed choice or adequate, you know, letting them know about alternatives. So that's the same attitude. You know, I, I always say, you know, as long as there's a battle and as long as God calls me to this work, we're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's not about winning. It's about being obedient to what God's called us to. And it's about being willing to stand, you know, having the courage to stand and defend and, and put forth our positions. Slavery was ended after how many years of an individual, every session, every time he had an opportunity, denounce it? That's right. With William Wilberforce, and if you have not read The Roots of Endurance by John Piper that profiles Mm -hmm. William Wilberforce and John Newton, go go Google, get Roots of Endurance by John Piper and get a refresher on William Wilberforce. And we are called to endure. We are called to not give up. That's bottom line. That's key. Uh, I would hate to think that God's will is dependent on my ability to get it done anyway. So why would why would I be so possessive of winning and losing? Am I excited when we win? Yes. Am I saddened when we lose? Absolutely. But uh, my God is bigger than all of that, and that is where I want to be. I want to be in His will, what He's called me to do. And one of the things He's called me to do, I have this microphone and uh, 50,000 watt tower. Uh, So then we're going to talk about these things. We're also going to highlight people and ministries that are doing great work in our community as well. The conversation continues. Kathy Herod, Center for Arizona Policy, is my guest here on Koinonia. You're listening to Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. being done with the hour today. It goes by so very quickly. Uh, Center for Arizona Policy's uh, President Kathy Herridge joining me in studio. And uh, Kathy, I'm just, uh, I'm always amazed uh, how how little some people outside of my personal sphere know about something that I I know intimately and and secondhand. I made the comment uh, 
uh, David Leiden. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about him, but the videos. Let me let me start with the videos. I didn't need to see those videos uh, to be activated. I didn't need to know all of that. I already knew all of this. That I those videos didn't do anything to motivate me more than I already was. But for a lot of people in America, they were completely clueless. And for that, I am so grateful that uh, he listened to what God called him to do. But it's quite obvious that uh, he is, he scared a lot of people because, I mean, you know, his, his home was raided, you know, for evidence yesterday. Yes, and personal belongings were taken. Uh, the California Attorney General is going after David Daleiden. And, you know, David Daleiden started a group called the Center for Medical Progress. He was very, I think, smart in how he went about um, capturing the video, having the meetings, investigating. You know, he basically played the role as, of an investigative journalist or a whistleblower. Uh, and so I think, you know, there's a lot going on. Of course, they're trying to discredit him every chance they can. They're trying to get, go throw the book at him mm-hmm. in a sense. And obviously they believe this will deter anyone else from being so courageous to stand up and, and try to expose the evils of the abortion industry. So David Delighton deserves our support. Yep. If you don't get his emails, um, sign up, go to Center for Medical Progress, and pray for this man yeah. who had the courage to, um, to really expose what's going on in the abortion industry. It would be a little bit of a stretch to call me a journalist, but quite honestly, when I was younger, that's what I wanted to do. I got into radio specifically because I have dyslexia and can't spell. True story. I thought, oh, well, I can do radio because nobody sees my misspelling on the radio. That was a a, a young preteen thinking. But there have been journalists and researchers that have done far greater deceptions and, uh, you know, towing the line or getting into gray areas than David even came anywhere near and they were celebrated, in fact, have won Pulitzers and all kinds of prizes for their, quote, courage to expose this horrific whatever fill in the blank. Well, and and plus this is an abortion industry that would continue to tell women that it's a glob of tissue. Yeah. That, oh, you don't need to see the ultrasound results. You can't tell anything. That, you know, why have we had to pass so many of these pro-life laws? It's because of what we know happens inside the abortion clinic to tell a woman, you don't need to see the ultrasound. It's a glob of tissue. You can't tell anything. Well, you know, picture, we talked earlier about the FDA abortion, you know, saying abortion medication could be before 10, through 10 weeks of pregnancy. Well, now we have all seen an ultrasound picture of a 10-week-old preborn child. Mm-hmm. So think about, you can clearly tell that that is a baby that is growing yep. and developing, that is the outline of a baby. It may be tiny, but it is still the outline of a baby that's just going to continue to grow through all nine months of pregnancy. I am. I come back, there's one line, uh, the many, many hours that are in the Truth Project with Dr. Del Tackett. One of the best things that he did for me personally Uh, as a talk show host and just a a public commentator on issues, is that he said, you have to remember that they're not our enemy, but they're blinded to the truth. And that's the only thing that explains a lot of this, that truly uh, there are people out there that are evil, that are actively, uh, you know, working in evil ways. But there are a lot of people that are just blind to the truth. 
Well, I think we've just gone through the Easter season, and I often think of the scripture about when the veil was torn into two so that you could enter into the Holy of Holies, so that the veil has not been torn into two. I mean, sometimes I I look at it that way, that yes, that, you know, truth, they they do not understand truth or see the truth, and they've been blinded, and so they they don't even see the deception. And that's where, you know, we need to pray. I mean, we need to pray for... For those that are in the abortion industry, that they would, um, you know, not be able to ignore that oftentimes when they're performing an abortion, I won't get graphic here, but that there's no question that it's a beating heart, that mm-hmm. they're baby body parts. And that's what those videos revealed, that they were talking about, oh, here's a leg, here's a liver, here's an intact brain. I mean, they actually showed that on some of those videos. Yeah. I remember four-plus years ago uh, having a conversation with somebody at Focus on the Family about the rate, uh, the decline of uh, abortions in areas where an ultrasound was provided. The the number of women that changed their mind uh, about what they had thought they wanted to do once they saw an ultrasound and why that was so important to get those tools into the hands of people in the community uh, it, because – Truth revealed. That, that's really what it is, comes down to, right? Uh, technology has provided a, 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 an insight to what really is happening. Well, I always say we see the abortion rate going down for two reasons. Ultrasound technology, you cannot deny the humanity of the preborn child, regardless if you're a person of faith or not. And then we all know a woman who had an abortion mm. and who was harmed by that abortion. Yeah. So the idea that this was a, a solution to a problem has been fairly effectively dispelled. So then it comes down to why does a woman have an abortion? Most often it's because she does not have the support system that she needs to carry that child to term. So either the boyfriend or the you know, the father of the child has abandoned her or her family's not there for her. And so that's, once again, the pregnancy center's work is so critical. Yeah. And in fact, as it turns out, you had no way of knowing this, Center for uh, C, uh, CPC is going to be in here tomorrow. CPC of Greater Phoenix is going to be joining me for the whole hour. And we're going to be talking about uh, these very specific issues. What do you really do and uh, why is it important? Uh, something else that's important, I've, I've kind of peppered it through uh, out the hour, and that is being an informed voter, uh, being registered to vote. Uh, our, our, our ballots, the, the presidential preference ballot was not the last thing uh, on the docket. And uh, I, my guess is uh, the next time we have an opportunity to vote, there will be 300 voting, <laughs> polling places <laughs> in, uh, in the state uh, as opposed to what we had. But Center for Arizona Policy works with uh, churches, works with uh, all kinds of organizations to really make it easy. Their pastor does not have time uh, to do all the research on this, and, and that's why you come in. You've got voter guides. You'll come and and speak at a church. Uh, what all things do you do uh, to help pastors and their congregations uh, be informed? Well, one example happens tomorrow. Um, we have 39 pastors of evangelical Hispanic churches coming to the Capitol for Capitol briefing for pastors. So we give pastors a tour. They sit in on a House and Senate floor session oftentimes, talk to legislators, just get a feel for what's going on at the Capitol. We do voter registration. We have voter registration kits available for churches to do voter registration on site. We'll have our voter guides for the primary and the general election. The Arizona primary will be at the end of August. The general election is on November 8th. So this is um, a critical election year. And let me emphasize, if you're discouraged about the presidential 
race and you, you may not like who the nominees are going to be for president, you can't throw up your hands and yeah. not vote or not be registered because on the Arizona ballot also will be electing 30 state senators, 60 state representatives. If if the good people of Arizona do not vote because they don't like who the two nominees are, then we could lose the state Senate. It could go from being pro-life to being pro-choice on, a, on abortion. And when you look at ballot measures, we will be voting on whether we're going to be the next Colorado or not yep. and whether we're going to legalize recreational marijuana. So if there's no other reason for yeah. you to make sure that you're registered to vote and that you are going to vote this November 8th, it's to make sure that we do not allow marijuana to be legalized in our state for recreational purposes. And let me emphasize when I say this, if you know someone who is using medical marijuana, this does not impact medical marijuana. It does This is only about recreational marijuana. So, you know, the only way we've been able to, by God's favor, pass so many pro-life, pro-family bills is because people like you vote. You can't give up this year and not vote. And it is so important that... Um, I, I remember a, an election, a gubernatorial election in our state where, you know, roughly 10,000 ballots didn't have a, a choice for the governor. And so we went down a path that we're still, uh, you know, recovering from a little bit here in our state. Uh, it, it's just such uh, an honor to have you in here, Kathy. I, I really appreciate it. We've got about three and a half minutes left. And I just want to give you this time to Give us some encouragement. Obviously, we've got uh, more legislative uh, season coming here. Sometimes we get hit pretty hard. But like you said, uh, the the land that I love, I just the fact that you named that, uh, the fact that everything you start with is bathed in prayer. And the event tomorrow with the Hispanic pastors, I remember when we were praying about a position at CAP, whether it was going to be a Hispanic pastor to reach out to those people, or it was going to be an administrative position. Well, I think God's uh, answer is pretty pretty bold on that. Well, and our, our community relations director is Pastor Obed Escobar. He is meeting with pastors, Hispanic and Anglo pastors, to put it in those terms. But um, I am so grateful for the enthusiasm for, you know, when I meet with these Hispanic pastors or we get together, they are just so... Um, so committed on life and marriage and religious freedom that it has been one of the biggest blessings the last two years to have Obed on our staff and to be really developing these relationships. But as far as encouragement, let me just share, you know, I had lunch today with two young men who one is a father, another's about to become a father. And, you know, these are young men who I would say at one point weren't sure what they were going to do with their careers. They didn't, you know, they they didn't set out to to be involved in the pro-life, pro-family movement necessarily. And they've caught the passion, they've caught the vision. They're committed. You know, they're committed to protecting preborn children and their mothers, to standing in defense of religious freedom. You know, they 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 want to be obedient to what God's called them to in their lives. And so when I see the passion, I think of other, you know, young Younger team members, millennials, to use that term, who are part of the CAP team. Um, some have passed through our office on the way to other things, but who, you know, there's a lot of hope for. I mean, we know our hope is in the Lord, 
But I see a lot of hope. Sometimes we get down on millennials, you know, this or that. Mm -hmm. But I see a lot of hope in the younger generation that's coming up that are committed to life and marriage, to matters of faith. Um, The, you know, I see a significant move among younger generation. They want to know what the Bible has to say. Yes. They want to know why they believe what they believe. That's the encouragement for today. I agree. Well said. Thank you so much. Kathy Herod, Center for Arizona Policy. Please go online, azpolicy.org. If you're not signed up, for the uh, five minutes for families, do that. You'll be more informed, I absolutely guarantee. Uh, also, join us on National Day of Prayer, Land That I Love. Britt Hume, individual tickets are available. You can still sponsor a table. Uh, as always, Kathy, thank you for all you do for women and uh, families and everybody here in the state. And thanks for your time today. Thank you so much. Glad to be with you. Blessings to you. You're listening to Koinonia. This is Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ.